0: We're continuing our series through the Gospel of John. We, sta- we started last fall. Um, we took some time out for Christmas. And we're gonna continue, this is gonna continue through the end of September. Then we're gonna take another break. Um, October and most of November, we're going to do a fall series um, on on unsung heroes. Um, unsung heroes we're gonna look at from scripture and in our lives. and then And then we're gonna move into obviously a four-part series during the christmas season and then and then in january we will pick back up with the gospel of john and it should carry us through the easter season um with with the easter messages throughout the end of the gospel of john so that's kind of the way our schedule is going to be and speaking of schedules um things are beginning to transition here and so, so not, not only are we gonna be moving into a, into a different focus in our sermons in the fall, but we're also doing a unified uh, small group Bible study and that's coming up. There's, kind, there's information on the church website. There's stuff on the bulletin board. You can also talk to Julie Schiller if you have any questions about that. But we're going to transition into a small group Bible study doing a unified study this fall. So a lot of things happening in that direction. Um, last week, we ended, and you had a little bit of, a home, a little bit of homework last week, if you, if, you, if you remember. I know, your dog ate it or you forgot about it, something like that. But we ended last week with Jesus' statement, and you know the way to where I am going. And, and, and his statement, that statement was, was shared with the disciples, and so then shared with us within the context of when trouble strikes. And my goodness gracious, we've seen that in these last couple weeks, haven't we? And we looked at that a little bit last Sunday as well. And you know the way to where I'm going, a statement made in the context of when trouble, trouble strikes. And the reality is, what that context is, they had they had troubled times, the evil back then, and we have it today. We live in a fallen and, and broken world. There is, you don't have to go far, there is evil all around us. And so, John 14, Jesus talks us through what will hold us together when it feels like things are falling apart. Because we want to be together and we know that we can only be held together through Christ. And so we ended last Sunday with the question, do you know, and Jesus said, and you know the way to where I am going, so I asked. Do you, what I wanted you to think about, do you know the way to where Jesus is going? What's he talking about? Do you know? The way to where Jesus is going. So that's where we're going to pick things up today. As you thought about it this past week, what were your thoughts on that question? Do you know the way to where Jesus is going? What did you think about? What was he directing you to? What was he asking you to consider? Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. And what happened after he said that, very, very infamously spoken, one of his disciples, Thomas, says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, thinking ahead, if you're at all familiar with the gospel of John if you've read ahead perhaps you know that that John that Thomas gets a nickname you know what his nickname is doubting thomas right doubting thomas is his nickname totally unfair nickname totally unfair he was given that nickname because he had doubts about the claims from the other disciples that they had seen the risen Christ. Do you remember that? They told Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas hadn't seen. And so the other disciples told Thomas that they had seen the risen Christ. And, and since, that, since that moment, poor Thomas has been, I think he's been smeared with the title Doubting Thomas. See, I, I have a belief I kind of agree with former with 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 not former with President Ronald Reagan when he used to always say when dealing with the Soviet Union, trust but verify. I think that's where Thomas is at. See, see, Thomas was listening to the words of the disciples, and while he knew them and he trusted them, he needed to verify. And so if you remember what Thomas said, he said, he said, I'll I'll believe it if I if I touch the nail holes in his hands. I need I need verification. His question, when he asked that of Jesus here, it's not unreasonable or misguided. I find it a very logical question in John 14. You remember when he said, I'll believe it when I see it. So when the risen Christ appeared to Thomas, right? When the risen Christ appeared to Thomas, Thomas didn't have to touch the nail wounds. All Thomas, Jesus addressed Thomas and Thomas proclaimed him my Lord and my God. So so Thomas is just being Thomas, trusting but needing verification. And so he asks what I think here is a logical question. This question in no way is a knock against Thomas. He asks a logical question. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Imagine for a moment Imagine for a moment that you've received an invitation to the greatest dinner party ever. It's all expense paid, inviting you and a guest an expansive feast spanning days. You'll be flown, the first leg of this feasting trip, you'll be flown to Hawaii for appetizers, fresh fruits, marinated meats, glazed pork and pineapple buns, and of course grilled fruit kebabs. It's not an appetizer unless there's a kebab, right? of some kind. If there's no meat on a stick, you can't call it an appetizer. And so you're invited there. Then after after the appetizer course, you're flown off to Texas for some of the best barbecue anywhere in America. Finally, the dessert leg takes you up to Chicago for a little Eli's Cheesecake. and this is looking really good. <laughs> and then at the end, end of that, that leg, then you go back, you're flown back to Michigan where you will enjoy some late night Cherry Republic snacks of all kinds. Oh man, that sounds good, right? All expenses paid, it costs you nothing. Then, at the bottom of the invitation, it says, you know where we are going to meet, see you there. <laughs> Do you understand Thomas now? Side note, I, I thought this was hilarious. I got a text last night. I've got a text last night at 8.38 p.m and it said, it simply said, this is the text, it said to my phone, my cell phone number, it said, this is Andrew, can you tell everyone to stop by in 20? (laughs) That was it, this is Andrew, can you tell everyone to stop by in 20? So I answered, why are we stopping by in 20? (laughs) A party, an intervention, a multi-level marketing opportunity, I don't know. I never heard back from Andrew. (laughs) But see, I wanted to know, where are we going, Andrew? See, that's Thomas, isn't it? You don't know where you're gonna be, so the first thing you're gonna say, you're gonna respond and say, where is that? Where is that? I wanna be there. So see, in that context, right, Thomas's, Thomas's question Trust but verify. Thomas's question starting to sound a lot more reasonable. Thomas says, how do we know the way? See, Thomas is just being honest. Have you ever known somebody? See, Thomas is being honest. Have you ever known somebody who acted like they knew what was going on but they didn't? Have you ever known somebody who tried to appear in the loop but they were so far out of the loop they couldn't see the loop? Have you known people like that, right? They they act like they know what's going on and they won't ask the obvious questions. But see, that's not Thomas. He asks a reasonable question. I like to call him, I wanna maybe start a thing and change him. Instead of doubting Thomas, he's reasonable Thomas. I really think so. He's reasonable Thomas. And Jesus shows his love and respect and compassion for Thomas with his answer. Jesus says, Thomas says, I don't know the way. Okay, Jesus says, I'll tell you the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him as we've seen in the Gospel of John, throughout our looking at the Gospel of John, It is so simply put in the Gospel. It is so simply put. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying, so Thomas says, how do we know the way? And Jesus is saying, the way is a person. The way is a person. The way isn't a five-step plan The way isn't a style of worship. The way isn't a set of religious beliefs. The way isn't a feeling. But the way is a person. And clearly, Jesus is saying, The person is me. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to be joyful. Jesus is the way to have a meaningful life. Jesus is the only way to having a purposeful life. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way to God. Jesus is the way, and the truth, and the life. So Let's say that together. Let's put that up there. Let's say that together. Join with me. Jesus Christ is the way, and the truth, and the life. Let's do that once more. Jesus Christ is the way, and the truth, and the life. That's the biggest point. Don't miss it, Jesus is the only way. Notice he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive claim. Another time Jesus said, the road is narrow. Again, that is an exclusive claim. Some people from the outside look at verse six and they think this is very narrow-minded thinking. How can Jesus say that he is the only way? Well, we're gonna look at three things now. Three things that we can pull out of this whole passage that are are really the, the, the most highlightable points. First, the truth is narrow. The truth is narrow. Several things cannot be true At the same time, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, there is no other road, there is no other road. Imagine, you're out working in your yard. What a great weekend we've had, hasn't it been? Oh my gosh, just been so beautiful. So imagine you're just like ah, full of energy, and you go out and you got some yard work you want to do, and you've got your clippers and your cutters and stuff, and 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 you gash yourself open. Ah. You ever done that? I was I was one time. My wife was going through labor with our first son. Before we went to the hospital, she started to go into labor with our first son, and 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 I was doing some some yard work and I was using a, a razor cutter to, to, to cut some edging some plastic edging and it slipped and it tore through my canvas shoes of course I'm a genius that wears canvas shoes when using a razor cutter and I, I gash and my whole tennis shoe filled with blood meanwhile my wife is transitioning to like I don't know level whatever levels you go through in labor <laughs> <laughs> and I said "Her are bleeding out have you ever done that I'm not alone right yeah, we've all okay. Okay, so 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 imagine it's a big enough gash, man. You're going to need stitches. So 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 what what do you do? You go you go to the ER, right? And what are they going to do at the ER? They're <laughs> going they're going to do three really important things. They're going to do three really things, very truthful things, right? They're going to clean the wound. They're going to stitch the wound, and they're going to give you a shot. They're going to give you antibiotics to take home, and they're going to make sure you're up to date on your tetanus because you used an old rusty tool and that cut your arm open right so you're going to do all those things that's the only that is the only way that is the only way to treat that kind of injury you know what they call people who would seek alternative ways of treating that, that, that wound they call them the decedent that's what they call them there is only one one way to treat that Jesus is Jesus is the way the truth is is, in fact, if you went to a doctor and the doctor gave you some alternative ways that sounded really wacky, you would go seek another doctor. I hope you would. Because the truth is narrow. The way to healing in your incident, the way to healing is narrow. It's the only way. See, some people think there's a whole lot of different ways to God. They they think that there's no real truth, that truth is kind of, kind of spongy but see the truth is that Jesus came into the world and we are sinful people and Jesus died on the cross to make us right with God that's the truth that's the truth that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the only way so where where are we Jesus says you want hope for a troubled heart there is a way and there is a truth and there is a life and it's Jesus and Jesus says, if you'll attach yourself to me If you'll trust me, Jesus says, if you'll love me, then you can have security in your heart. When you're living in troubled times, when you're facing trouble yourself, if you are attached to Christ, he will be the bridge over that trouble. And he will ease the burden of a troubled heart. But see, there's more. While the way to eternal security is narrow, it's also an all-inclusive offer. In other words, the offer of salvation, the gift of salvation through Christ and Christ alone is universally given. It's given to anybody, to everybody. Doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter your culture, your ethnicity, doesn't matter your background. Anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior finds the way and the truth and the life. Now it's time to say amen. amen. Anybody. It's not ethnic. It's not cultural. It's not limited to any one time in history. The offer is for everyone. 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 The gift is for anyone who follows him. So we've got We've got a reasonable Thomas's question. Now let's look at Philip. He's also in the picture. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Remember how Jesus just answered Thomas. Simple. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works than themselves. See, so Thomas... Thomas asks one of the simplest and greatest questions in the New Testament, and he got a great answer, simple and clear. He got a great answer. Philip, on the other hand, asks a not-so-smart question. We've all heard the cliche, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I think Philip kind of maybe breaks that rule right there. I, I saw... I saw somebody, you know, you have an office plaque that either has your name or your title on your desk. I saw somebody had on their, on their desk, their office, their desk plaque said, I'll be nicer if you'll be smarter. I think that's pretty nice. See, see Philip, Philip has missed it. Philip has missed it. Do you want to have hope of heaven? Get to know Jesus Christ. The better you get to know Jesus, the more real heaven becomes. How do you get over having a troubled heart? Remember, we said last week, we established the truth last week that there is nothing sinful about having a troubled heart. We're human. Trouble strikes, it bothers us initially. Nothing wrong with having a troubled heart, but not not getting over a troubled heart is a problem. So how do you get ready for those times of a troubled heart? You get to know Jesus now. See, if you get to know Jesus now, if you're faithful in your walk with Jesus, if you're doing Bible study, if you are praying, if you are walking with Christ, then you are building hope and promise up in your life so that when trouble starts, it won't last long. It won't take up residence in your heart. It will flee from you. And so when trouble comes, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord because Jesus has already prepared a place in heaven for us. So here's the second most important thing you can do when your heart is troubled is obey God. You, can obey, you need to obey God. When you are troubled, rewind your mind Back to the simple advice of Jesus, obey God. see sometimes sometimes when a heart is troubled, we sometimes just kind of implode upon ourselves and and we get get caught up in this repeating loop of our own negative thoughts and our own doom and gloom, and we dwell on the hurts or the troubles or the challenges we. I like to call it, we, we, we kind of sink into ourselves when trouble strikes, we sink into ourselves. But Jesus says, don't, when trouble strikes, don't do that. And so we need to obey him. So we need to obey him. And I know that's not a popular word, obedience. In some circles it is, right? Dog obedience, yay, we want our dogs to be obedient. Dog obedience is a good thing. The military emphasizes obedience. That's essential. Children, right? Children should obey their parents. Children. Parents say amen? Children should obey their parents. One. Uh, just 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 trust your parents obey your parents trust your parents because most parents most of the time are really decent people who have who only have what's what's good for their kids in their hearts right so 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 one time our family when our boys were really little uh, we took a we took a vacation we took a road trip out west and we stayed at a hotel one night someplace in iowa i think we stayed at a hotel iowa greatest state in the union yay we stayed in iowa at a hotel and we were and we were swimming and 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 one part of the pool it was horrific lori and tyler our oldest and i we 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 heard it and we saw it a little boy threw up in the pool it's like ah. you heard and 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 we said immediately zach was kind of off on his own just a little guy and you've seen little kids swimming in the pool. They're blithely swimming around and thrashing and having a good time. And we said, Zach, swim back to us. <laughs> and for a moment, that little dude looked at us with this, like, like defiant look in his eyes, like, I, well, I'm having fun. And he's heading toward the slick, right, you know? It's a, it's a vomit slick. It's horrible. And so he's heading toward it. And then we said, Zach, turn around. <laughs> and so he turned around. Obedience is good. obedience is good it's a good thing think about how beautiful the word obey is in the Bible every beautiful thing you see is because of obedience to God our heavenly father always always has what's best for us in his heart Obedience in the Bible and the scripture is a beautiful thing. Start with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus obediently went to the cross and suffered death upon the cross so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could be with God forever. That's the result of obedience. Think about everything you see in nature. Everything you see in nature is due to the obedience to the word of God at creation. And the Lord said, and it was. And God said, and it was. God rejoices in our obedience. Does that mean that we'll never have troubles or problems or difficulties? Of course not. Life can be painful. We know that. Life can be difficult. Evil can pop up out of nowhere at any time. But what does Jesus said? Say, let not your hearts be troubled. So when you're going through troubling times, keep joy in your heart. Don't let things bring you down. Don't give in to discouragement. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do that. Guard your heart against discouragement or cynicism or despondency. Obey Jesus Christ even when times are tough. Keep that joy in your heart. Good way to think of it is this. Do you ever want difficult or troubling times to defeat the joyful attitude in Christ that is yours? No. When your heart is troubled and you allow it to keep being troubled, do you ever wonder why? When, when you see people wallowing in their misery and they can't seem to let it go, do you ever wonder why? What's, what's the payoff, right? What's the benefit of being downcast or discouraged? What does a person benefit by being angry all the time? What good does it add to a life? What do you gain by being disheartened? What do you, what do you get, what positives do you get by being complaining or griping or negative? See, these, these, are, these, are, these are legitimate questions. Jesus must know the answer is you gain nothing because he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let these negative things carry on in your hearts. Jesus knows and so we obey. First, Jesus says the truth is narrow. Second, Jesus says obey God. And finally, Jesus says if you've got a troubled heart, listen to what he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus gives us peace, and it's a different kind of peace than we get from the world. See, the way the, way the world gives peace, in order to get something, you have to give something, right? Our, our world is structured on a transactional economy, in order to get, I have to give. So if I want peace of mind about my belongings, I have to give the insurance company money. And they will, I think one insurance company, their advertising campaign for peace of mind, I have to give them something. That's the way of the world, but not Jesus. Jesus gives us peace. Jesus gives you peace because he loves you and that's all. You've done nothing to earn it. Jesus' peace means he's going to be in your life. You'll have a presence and a purpose you never dreamed of. You will have a calmness about you when others all around you are suffocating in hardship or shame. But see, you're gonna be different because you are obedient to Christ and you know he has given you his peace. And so when it seems as if everybody else is getting carried away and caught up, you're going to be standing firm. When you are in Christ, you receive his peace and you will know his way. Let's have an amen on that one. Amen. So I want you to think of something you're facing right now. Think of something you're facing right now. Hopefully it's not set in concrete. But I want you to think of something you're facing right now. And while you're thinking of the trouble in your heart, remember the promise of Jesus Christ. Jesus says he will come back and take you to him. Jesus will love us. Jesus will give us peace. So, Here's a homework assignment, another homework assignment. I want you to read John 14 once a night before you go to sleep. Keep a bookmark in your Bibles or your little electronic device and read John 14 once a night before you go to sleep. And just see what it does for your heart the next morning When you put the promise of Jesus Christ in your heart. Let's stand and sing. Visit us on the web at tecumsehcove.org. That's T E C U M S E H C O V E dot O R G.